back to the express podcast um today we're going to be continuing our series on becoming a king i know it's been a while since we all have talked about this book we have made it through eight chapters um, and today we'll be covering the ninth chapter the ninth chapter is going to be labeled becoming light-hearted um I know that it has been a while since we've dived into the book. So if you're new to the podcast and you just got the book, uh, the previous episodes are there for you to look at, there for you to listen to, um, whether it's YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it may be. Um, But they're there. If you are joining us along the journey and you've just gotten the book, a lot of you have reached out saying you've bought the book um, and kind of following along then you know how, I guess, our standard procedure sort of works. We work our way through the book. We talk more conceptually. We don't really necessarily always deep dive into the book, but we just kind of talk about the chapter, our thoughts, what we took away from it, and um, just trying to, you know, I guess, go through the book. you've been following from the jump, we're really slow readers. Yeah, AR scores (laughs) are not the highest. Um, But I will say that it's, it's, I guess it's nice and refreshing to go through a book where, you don't have to go word by word or line by line or really just worry about all that little stuff, but you can just kind of, you know, go through what you get and uh, work from there. So again, we're doing this series because we're trying to become better men. Um, We're trying to continue our journey and our um, faith building and just continuing to walk with Christ as, as much as we can through our life. And so, yeah, with becoming lighthearted, I got, if you turn to the first sort of page, which I don't even know what page it starts on. I think it's like 153. Yeah. So if you turn to 153, all right. The first thing that caught my attention is the quote, right? And so the quote says, things which matter most must never be at the mercy of things which matter least, which that could not be more applicable to my daily life right now than anything else. Um, we just had our son literally 11 days ago. And so Shout out young man. it very quickly is, as we talked about in the last episode of my wife being pregnant, but it very quickly lets you know, okay, this is what's important in life, which is my family and my son, and this is what's not. And so the idea of that quote, just reading it again, after revisiting it from a year was insane to me just because it's like, boom. And we talk about that sometimes when you're reading scripture or whatever, it's sometimes it's kind of like, uh, we talked about like you go to a church service and you feel like, Oh my gosh, they're preaching to me. And so when I read that, I was like, Oh, this is a perfect kind of recentering of what we are talking about. And so I just want to kind of start, you know, what are some of the things that matter most to you all right now in you know, this stage of life that you're in? Or just like, not stage of life, but I guess just current, present moment. I mean, I think all of us kind of have similar answers on this. I mean, relationship, we're all in very committed relationships. Um, that's up there, our relationship with God, our relationship with our family. We're all very um, close with our family. Um, siblings and parents, which is a blessing. Um, and then kind of like how we always talk about us, you know, they say friends are the family that you can pick. 
So, I mean, you boys, and then we got our other little squad. Um, that's typically how I prioritize at least like my emotional energy. And then obviously you got work and stuff like that too. But as far as like spiritually, emotionally, those, that's kind of the lineup there. Yeah. I think it's so funny because this is such an easy, like, this is such an easy topic to lie about. I'll be honest. Um, like it's so easy to say, well, number one is God, you know, and number two is my wife. And then number three is my career. And then number four, you know, like it's so easy to prioritize. And I think that that's why this chapter really, it really makes you think, which this whole book does. And I think that, I know we joked about like, we're slow readers, but I really think this book was meant to be read slow. I think it was meant to be read bit by bit. And so that you can like actually make the necessary changes because this isn't like to me it's not a book that you just read through and it's like oh yeah it's a good book like made some really good points like i think the whole purpose of this book is to read it to actually soak it up to actually ask god these questions about what do i need to change you know what are you trying to expose within myself that needs to be completely like remodeled um but i would say like overall yes my priorities are my relationship with jesus my wife uh my career teammates um family and friends like it's i don't really leave much extra space or time for things i don't like or don't think are important um and i think that's obviously the way it should be and we'll get into more about like kind of how uh morgan breaks this down but i mean i think that it's this is something we actually have to be honest with ourselves of like what actually takes the priority and how much of like how much of it are we actually giving to things that matter the most yeah and i think that you can tell what's a priority in your life based on how much time you're giving that thing right and so for example if you're if you're saying because it could be different for everybody right uh someone's main priority like let's say like dan's like you're right it is easy to say well my main priority is god and my family and this, that, and the other, right? But the reality is, are you putting in that time? Are you being deliberate with saying, okay, these are my focuses and what I'm focused on. This is where my time is being allotted and where it's going. Because it, it's hard because I think you get caught up in life. So it's, it's just hard to really direct yourself and be like, okay, I'm going to dedicate my time to that. Well, and then going off of that too, just reading the quote was when you choose to do something, you're sacrificing something else. Right. Opportunity cost. Yeah. So like for me, play slow pitch softballs on Thursdays. I enjoy it. And I like to still think I got it out there, but that sacrifice comes with maybe not going out to eat with Emily or, you know, maybe not time spent with my family or something like that. So it's, doing a sort of like budget of like where your energy is going and what gets sacrificed in the process and figuring out what those important things are. Yeah. It, I just, but, and that's, it's, it's also true because it's like, okay, you want you figure out what the important things are in your life, right? Like for me currently, um, I'm trying to read, 
So I have the, the Bible app. And so each day it gives me like a, a daily verse or whatever. And so I have been trying to, for the past, my son's 11 days old, for the past 11 days, I've been trying to read him that verse in the morning, like whatever it is. And just being like deliberate and saying like, hey, like we're going to spend um, this little bit of time together that, you know, we get, whether it's in the morning or whatever. And I'm going to try to give this to him. And obviously he's 11 days old. It's not like he understands anything that I'm talking. He doesn't know anything, but it's, uh, it's still like, to me, it's like, I'm, that is where I want to be invested in. So I have to start now trying to invest in that. And so this leads me to sort of my next question as we move along. It's like, all right, you've got sort of the things that you're looking at in life and the things that you want to do the most or that are important to you, whether it's like, you know, we've listed a couple of things, but Mitch, you brought up, you brought up a good point, which we'll talk about later in the book. It's also, you know, who you're surrounding yourself with that's also occupying your time. And he says something early on in the chapter and it says, uh, it's, I actually think it's on the first page. It says, um, wisdom is proved right by her actions. And so that that's, you know, again, it's going on. What you're doing is actually, you know, are you a talker or are you a doer? Are you going to do what you're talking about? Or you just say it to put it out there? Because a lot of people, I think, that put stuff out there, whether it's social media or whatever. So, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Like, All right, well, that's great. But are you actually doing it? And then the next thing that kind of caught me, and I know I'm jumping around here, is uh, when it talks about who gets most of your time, it also talks about like how you're viewed by those people, right? So that you hear all the time, like you're, you're a reflection of the five people you surround yourself with or, what, or whatever. Average. You're an average. You're an average, of, okay? Yeah, and so people. my question is though, like for not just for us, but for, for people who are listening to this or watching this, if you were to ask those people who you're spending this time with, who you really are and like what they really think of you. Like if they could give you an unfiltered, like he's never going to hear this, what would they say about you? And that's kind of thought provoking. You know what I mean? Like take like Dansby, for example, you got how many people in your clubhouse? Uh, 25 other people, or at least 25 other teammates. Okay. So, and you're around them every day. Now, granted you're around some more Mm -hmm. than others. But if you think about it, all right, what would they really say about you? And then if you think about that, and then you have to go, okay, is that what I'd want them to say about me? And that's kind of an interesting thought process. I don't know your thoughts on that or, or anything like that, but that's kind of something that caught my mind early in the, early in the chapter, literally the first page. I, I mean, for me, I, I think the way I look at it is, it's not what they, because whatever they say is what they see. So if I'm living out my true calling the way I should, then they should see what God made me to be. You feel what I'm saying? Like if, if we are called to be a certain thing and whatever people say about us, isn't that thing, then we must not be living our like true selves, which kind of goes to one of my quotes that I highlighted that I liked was, uh, Basically, in relationships, you have to have vulnerability. And invulnerability is a way, is one of God's strategies to expose and dismantle the false self to, in order to recover the true self and its core desire to be loved, to love, and to move closer to the source of love. And 
to me, it's like our, 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 our actions actually aligning with what we talked about earlier in the podcast is just like excavating this, like our inner soul, right. To grow closer to him, which then allows for him to shine through us more. Um, and to me, like what people say about you is what is who you are. If they're obviously give like an unfiltered version. And if they're not saying what God is leading us towards, then we ain't doing the right stuff. It's interesting to kind of think about that. And it's too, it's, it's also like, you know, I don't know. It's kind of a, like perception is reality. I don't know how y'all feel about that, but it's, you know, like there's a, I don't know if it's in marketing or, or whatever. I use it for my media. It's, you know, what people think about you is your reality in that sort of sense meaning like whatever you're putting off is the reality, but that's not always true. Right. Cause for example, you know, I can put out media for our football team or whatever, and it looks like we're undefeated, but we could not be, you know what I mean? Like just cause we look like we're really good. Well, maybe we're not, or maybe there's another team out there who doesn't have good media and it looks, doesn't look like they're very good, but they are like, it just kind of, it's, that's an interesting sort of thought about perception and what you really are about what people think about you. One thing isn't the whole, the whole purpose, well, the whole purpose of this thing is to, is for perception and reality to essentially align, right? Like the whole purpose of this is to gain rid of our false self of this like fleshly being, you know, like our whole purpose is to, live as authentically as who God has made us to be. You know what I mean? And, um, well, and that kind of, that kind of jumps into one of the first things about, um, on 55, page 155, it talks about our, you know, our hidden life with God. And it's this idea that, you know, everyone's got things that they hide. Everyone's got little, like, what is it called? Idiosyncrasies or whatever that they have, or just things that they do that they might do just with themselves or in their own thoughts or something that they kind of hide. And it's, you think that you're hiding it from society and everybody else, but in reality, like you're not hiding it from, like, you know, God knows everything. He's the ultimate architect. Like he knows your thoughts. He knows your actions, movements. He knows everything. So you're not really hiding. And he, he says, um, because he talks about, I don't know. How did, did he describe this? Uh, I guess he talked about like a visual symbol, right? The triangle that I'm talking about on 155. And he taught, he, you know, it obviously he's got like a triangle. And so I can't really, it's a, it's an upside. It's an upside it's, down. It's, it's a pyramid. It's a funnel. pyramid. Guys. It's a pyramid. All right. It's like Which is also pyramid. a triangle. Two, two dimensions. So, um, so the first section, and like, I'm going to show this. And you can obviously put up on the thing. But the first section is God. Uh, and, they, and then it leads into soul care, which is obviously our own uh, intentional time. The next part is family that has marriage and daughters and sons on it. And then it has like-hearted kings, mentors. And then essentially the top part is the everything else section. Um but first thing first, like, does anything jump off the page of the first, like, at first glance of what this 
Yeah, I think one of the main things, one of the main kind of things I took away or maybe just inferred from it was obviously God is the base and that is where we gain our strength, our energy, all that stuff. Um, But then the next thing before anything else is you can't really take care of others unless you take care of yourself. So that soul care being the number two thing before anything else um, just shows um, how for us to be our best selves is how we can bring up everyone else around us by taking care of our soul allows us to bring up other people. I was going to say, when I, when I first looked at it of the so-called pyramid, if you will, um, with God as being the bottom, not only is that the largest section of the pyramid, uh, which meaning like it's taking up the most, but, um, it also reminded me of, you know, I went back and listened to our, I said this last time, our old podcast and, uh, the last episode, you guys talked to me about, uh, Maverick city and you all, you know, I started listening to that was a year ago, but now I'm locked in. I, I I apologize to all the people out there who I I said I hadn't listened to them. But one of their songs is Firm Foundation, which is like one of my favorite songs. And that, you know, it talks about the rock by which I stand. And that is like when I saw that, that's the first thing I I thought of. It's because everything else, like if you look on page 178, like I said, we'll show it on the screen. Um, The whole pyramid is built off of that. And so if you don't have that firm foundation, if you don't have that firm base, you'll never be able to fill up anything else. Like it just won't happen because all the other stuff that you're trying to fill, like even if you just took away that God section and let everything else drop down, like if you let soul care drop down, family drop down, all of that drop down, you wouldn't fill that pyramid all the way up. And there'd be edges blank on the side. There'd be space at the top. So that's just kind of my first, like, honestly, thoughts when I was looking at it, just reading, um, you know, that, that the importance of that foundation with God starting at the bottom. I think, and I'm going to ask you all y'all's opinion, but I think the, the second part is the one that I think that so many people can twist the wrong way. Because soul care, I think, this isn't, this isn't like the, I just need my me time kind of thing that I think a lot of people can think that this may mean, you know what I mean? Um, because literally the first sentence says prioritizing soul care and arranging our days as hit or as a prince and, uh, are the primary means to receiving wholeheartedness and union with God. And so I think it's, it's one of those things where our intentional time that we spend with God developing that relationship is our soul care. You see what I'm saying? It, it doesn't, no offense, Mitch, it doesn't say like Thursday night softball, <laughs> you know? And I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying that because we talked about that earlier, but like, I think that so many people can sometimes look at this as certain things when I think what this is trying to say, at least in my opinion, is receiving wholeheartedness and union with God is our soul care. You know what I mean? And like arranging our days to start our days with that, similar to how Jesus did. You know what I mean? To like allow our cup to like runneth over 
into the other things. Like, in order for me to be the best husband, I need to make sure that I am doing those things that carry into my day as opposed to when things start going awry or getting tough, I withdraw myself to have my me time. You, you see what I'm saying? Right. Well, and it says um, like a couple, I think the next sentence after that says the lasting value of our public service for God is measured by the depth of our intimacy with him. In other words, soul care is foundational to loving God and others effectively. And so he talks about how it's never a, a selfish act, but if, you know, if the only gift that you have is loving others and helping others and putting others first and pouring into others, then that's a good gift to sort of to have. And uh, it is kind of interesting where, you know, he also talks about this. It's not something you can do like easily. You know what I mean? Like it takes time to sort of develop that and be genuine with that process. So, I do think soul care is very interesting. It's also interesting that it comes second. You, know? you didn't have to bring softball yeah, into it, though. I didn't mean to put you on blast. That's all right. I didn't want to get it twisted about what and then, and then he just, what yeah, 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 yeah. So then it jumps into into family. Oh, we about to. I'm about to turn some heads on this one, but go ahead. Marriage, uh, daughters and sons, um, and. You know, family is one of those things where I think the older you get, it just means more. Like, I, I just, I really think, and that's, I think part of that is you're becoming more wise. Like, well, you should, but you're becoming more wise the older that you get. So you understand like what truly, truly matters in life. Um, but I'm kind of interested. You said you're going to turn some heads. So I'm kind of interested to hear what you've got to say before I spill my case on. Two things. Number one, I look at the diagram and once again, we talked about the soul care and like, maybe it's just because I, I, to me, I, it just seems that this is intentional. Like this guy does everything very intentionally. So like the thickness in which soul care is, is not very big. Right. But the family section is probably the thickest, uh, minus the God section. But the thing that I wanted to mention is if we're looking at this as most important from like bottom up, right? So it has God at the foundation, then soul care. Then the next one technically is marriage. And I think so many people miss this point because they put their kids before their marriage. And I think that we as a society often forget that the most important earthly relationship we have is with our spouse. I agree with you. Obviously I'm being, I'm married, but um, I, I honestly think Mitchell would agree with you too, because it's like, we talk about this where, you know, when you're talking about like your kids, right? So let's take like Lexi and I, for example, with our son, we have to be like, not only together as a team, but we have to be filled with joy and love and, you know, all of that things that makes our marriage work. And if we're not like, that's what you're saying, like put your marriage before your, your kids. If we're not, it's going to bleed into and affect our children. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of like, in a sense, what Mitchell was saying, where you got to take care of yourself. You do. But also when you're talking about marriage, you've got to take care of 
your significant other and your partner. And, you know, I think that a lot of it is, and I'm not a marriage counselor or anything like that, and no one has a perfect marriage, but I think communication is huge on that, of figuring out like what you and your partner need to have an effective marriage in your eyes, right? I think that's also an important piece. Like what may be effective in my eyes may not be effective in somebody else's and vice versa. Um, But the, the point is you have to be together as a team, 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 team first in order to have, you know, be able to raise your children how you want to raise them, I guess. So I do agree with you that the marriage part is, and you know, I'm interested to hear your take on this. Like, do you think that's because of the, like the divorce rate? Like how high it is right now? Or is it like, I mean, I think that that's, yeah, it can be a loaded question. I think people oftentimes misconstrue what a marriage is and they think it's all honeymoon stage. And then when the going gets rough and, and the main thing that like I've been leaning into is, is growing in unison and growing together. Um, and I heard an analogy that a podcast I listened to is like a lot of times relationships, it's like one person's playing chess and one person's playing monopoly and you can overlook it for a while until it's like the 15th turn of the game and it's still, it's still not working. You know what I mean? So it's like, how do you communicate and be aligned in that growth together versus each kind of doing your own thing? And then when the going gets rough, it's like, maybe it wasn't meant. And that's a good point too, because I think that we're all, not all, but I think people, it's very easy for people to get stuck in this like good enough. And he talks about it like, oh, our marriage is good enough. Mm-hmm. Our relationship is good enough. Yeah, we have this, that, and the other, but it's good enough, right? And it's like, well, if you're just going for good enough, like, what are you doing? Like, you should be striving for that. I think the key word here is growth, right? And growing together as a couple is an amazing thing. And so, but it's not, that's the other part. I think that you're right, Mitch. I think a lot of people get in and they go, oh, this is going to be easy. And then Until it's, not. it's a 15th It's inevitable that yeah. there will be issues in every single relationship. Well, you're two different people. Right. Like, that. that's just common sense. Like, how you think about one thing could not be how she thinks about one thing. And then right there, there's your chest and monopoly. So you got to figure out, okay, how are we going to move from there? But the other part is with your marriage, like, and I I heard a quote about this and I, I loved it is like your marriage is the, she is the only, or he is the only person that chose you. For like, they love you. So like Lexi is the only person in my life that has chosen me, like that actually loves me for who I am. My mom loves me because I'm her son. (laughs) My dad loves me because I'm his son. You know what I mean? Like Lexi, for some reason, (laughs) 
<laughs> sat there and was like, you know what? This is my guy. This guy. This is my guy. I'm a ride. I'm a ride. Yeah, I can get down and, with this guy. Yeah, I, this guy. <laughs> you know. And so, but that's an interesting point. Is like you forget, like this is the person that truly understands you and truly loves you for who you are as a person, and that's a gift and that's a blessing that I think a lot of people downplay and forget as they. <laughs> and this move is forward. just to go back a little bit when I'm was kind of speaking on being aligned. Um, he reiterates this in the book uh, and says, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Mm-hmm. Two becomes one. Yeah. Yeah. Unity. And that's where you have to get that alignment to grow, grow. Yeah, yeah. Together. And he keeps saying that over and over again. And I think that like, yeah. And now I've done a good job of this and like continue to do so. It's that unity is the goal, not productivity, not doing good things for God, not making good decisions on behalf of our spouse. But unity is the point because unity cultivates intimacy and intimacy in marriage with our partner and in union with our God is the goal and the prize of this story. More intimacy is available than we had a vision for, much, much more. And I think that like going back to, like it's always about unifying. Like that's what, that's the point is to unify and to grow um, during every bit of this. Um, but he says, you know, that unity is the goal, not productivity, not doing good things for God, not making good decisions on behalf of our spouse, but unity is the point. Unity cultivates intimacy and intimacy in in marriage with our partner and in union with God is the goal and prize of this story. There's so much more intimacy available than what we had a vision for. I think that this just goes back to over and over and over again, like unity is the point of marriage. Unity is what God caught is what God calls of us. And that's something that like you continue to do over time. It doesn't just like, Oh, we're married. We're one flesh. Here we go. Vertical. It's not like every day you choose unity, right? Like every day I choose to wake up and love my wife and to do right by her and those kinds of things. Um, because so often we can, we can miss that point. Yeah. And I think, too, it's important where he talks about like, you know, I think um, people can get a fault like they get this false sense of reality where they think, oh, I don't need anybody. I can do this by myself. I can, you know, I can run through life how I want to being single. And, and I'm not saying there's not a place for that, but I am saying that we have to remember that, you know, like Adam was given Eve for a specific reason. And humans need, like, the most, like, the, the thing that makes humans go and makes them, like, who they are is communication and social mobility and the ability to talk to others and have interaction with others and feed off other people. And so I think that's also very important to understand. It's like, you also need, like, you need someone, you need your wife in your corner. You need someone that's in your corner that's going to support you through the thick and thin, right? Because that's marriage, the good, bad, the ugly, and you got to figure it out. 
And so because you chose that, you made that commitment, you decided that you were going to, you know, sign that lifelong max contract, mm -hmm. super max contract. Mm -hmm. And you have to respect that and honor that. And just as much as you need her, she needs you. And it's important to understand that too. And so, but I, you know, I, I do think the marriage thing is, is so important. And it, it's good to have conversations too, because a lot of times you'll go, oh, well, how are your kids? How's married? How, how's married life? Or how's it? Oh, it's good. Like, okay, well, like we all know there's more to it. And so it's good to also talk about that. But yeah, so that was, um, you know, family. I don't know, Dan, do you have anything else you want to add to that before we move to parenting? I'm an 11 day dad, so I'm not going to act like vet. you know, I'm a 10 year vet. Um, but there's one thing that I think that I will argue, like, talk about a hill to die on. This is my hill for parenting and for dads in general. I think that, no, it's not even I think. I know that if nothing else for Mac, I'm going to be there. Like, I, I will be there because, it, you know, I'm a teacher. I was a coach for a long time. I see it. And when parents and dads specifically are not in the photo, like the photograph, or they're not in the picture, you can tell. It doesn't matter. Son, daughter, it does not matter. You have to be there. So if you're, you know, if you're a dad and you're listening to this and you're, you know, maybe you're not doing as much for your son or daughter as you should be, this is like a challenge. Like, stop. Like, you need to take that step and be there. And you can always say, well, there's stuff going on. There's always stuff going on, right? Uh, my job, I got to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. Okay, that's fine. But the reality is, like, if you throw work and you throw other stuff in there, like, let's not forget here, we live in a capitalist environment. If I called in tomorrow and I said, hey, I'm not coming to work, I'm actually going to quit, they would go, okay. And they would hire somebody the very next day. Maybe that same day. Probably the same, yeah, it could be the same day to replace me because we're replaceable in a society. And so you have got to be there as a, you know, as a father or as a parent, and you got to fight for that. You've got to fight for that. And I think a lot of it too is, you know, and if you're watching, it could be easy to say, well, yeah, it's easy for you to say you can control that. It's like, you can control it too. It's just how much do you want to control it? And how much do you want to be there? Because that speaks volumes because my mom told me once people remember a couple of things. They remember weddings, funerals, and birthdays. Were you there? Like, is if Mac has his first game, am I going to be like, oh, I got to do photos? <laughs> well, and just kind of circles back, back to that, that priorities, priorities, priorities thing that we yeah. opened like, the show with. If, if you're, you know, you have a, if, when you become a dad, and again, I'm 11, I'm 11 days into this thing. <laughs> seasoned veteran. I'm a seasoned veteran. But no, seriously, if you, if, when you become a dad, you have this like, people say, oh, it's a lot. I don't even, I would say it's a big opportunity. It's an opportunity to make an impact. And he talks about one thing that 
um, I wrote down besides be there is it says you got to fight to make those memories. And it says, what will my children say about me when they are 40? Like that's, that's pretty heavy. Did y'all see uh, Dwayne Wade's Hall of Fame speech? Did not. You got to it. He makes his dad. I watched it randomly. Uh, he makes his dad stand up in front of the crowd. Right. And he talks about and thanks his dad for everything that his dad went through. Not just, you know, obviously the hard practices or playing one on one or working on this and that. But he talks about like being there and he talks about the investment his dad had on him he talks about how his dad was coaching him got thrown out of the game snuck back in the side door was coaching him from the stands and got thrown out again and he was saying just like that right there showed him like how much his dad would ride for him and, and be there for him and he said that's you know that's my goal for for my kids like i want them to be like oh my dad was there um and so I don't know much about parenting. I'm not going to act like I know anything about parenting. We're 11 days old. Uh, Got 11 more days than us. <laughs> you know, our goal right now is to get Mac to five pounds. There we go. Let's get, he's, let's he's get him. He's creamy, but um, that's what we're doing. And we're going to love him along the way. And we're going to be there throughout the process. But that's parenting uh, for me. It's just be there, man. Just be there, be there, be there. And um, I don't think that any of us will have that problem with our kids at all. Um, because our parents were there for us. And so, and if your parents weren't there and I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but if your parents weren't there, be that change, you know, don't, don't let that generational thing keep becoming a generational thing. Be there, be present, be active, love them. Um, but that's my rant for the day. Well, that was that your was section, section, boss. That's that's, I was excited for that yeah, section. That was just you. Because it's, it's just, you know, there needs to be better dads in the world. And there needs to be more dads in the world. Um, Mitch, you got anything? <laughs> yeah, Mitch, you got anything? Uh, I mean, something did stand out to me on not some, I mean, definitely a, a parental level as well. Just because like, all right, let me read the quote. Quote is, quality time does not substitute for quantity of time. And quantity of time does not substitute for quality time. And I think that can go into a lot of different buckets as well as parenting um, with all your relationships and you know even like with god it's like you can kind of get caught up yeah i prayed this morning but like how intentional was that time like yeah i read the bible just because like that's my habit that's what i want to do but how intentional were you what was the quality of that bible reading that morning how what was the quality of that devotion not yeah i read the bible for 30 minutes but what did you get out of it what was that quality are you going outside and throwing the ball with your son because you don't want to hear your wife complain or are you going outside and throwing the ball with your son because that's the moment you've been looking forward to all day like and the moment he's been looking forward to yeah, all day. like you guys are different too like you had brothers who could you know go throw the ball with you or do play you know I've, I mean, I had my sister, but like, come on now. I didn't have, you know, my brothers were you. Yeah, all. I was going to say, like, I spent, I I spent some, 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 weeks some weeks during the summer, summer over at the crib. Yeah, but that's, but that's just kind of, of, you know, that's, I mean, I'm so excited to do that. Just invest in him. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think one thing that I really like how he details it, and maybe this is just because this is a little bit of like my present life, um, is he talks about being there. But he's talking about like act like what does that mean to actually be there? 
And he says, no matter how much time we give them, how much we are around, if our hearts are not healed and free, if we are not doing the work to become the man, the kind of person we want them to become, we won't really be there. And the reason that stands out to me is because it's like, man, how many times are you like there, but you're not actually present in that present moment? You know, and the only way to find God's peace is in the present moment. Like how many times, okay, yeah, you're physically there, but are you actually like mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically there um, in those times of need? And he talks about, you know, his kids, one of his, I think it was his son had nightmares and he's like, thank goodness I wasn't like, you know, in the middle of the night, like I wasn't, you know, drunk from alcohol or like whatever the case may be. Like I was actually able to be there and help him get through this time and like figure out why this kept happening um like it's more than just being there physically um i think it's there's so, such a deeper layer and i guess the reason that i say that is because something i've had to learn over the years is okay i may have a bad game or a good game or you know indifferent or we lose a heartbreaker like when i leave and go home like i still i'm, I'm still a husband right like I have to be able to go home and and be present in those moments for my wife and to like continue to lead our family. And I think maybe that's just why that stood out to me so much, but I think it's so important to like understand what it actually means to be there. Like it's more than just, Oh yeah, I attended my son's game, but it's like, yeah, but were you also like maybe on your phone doing work emails or were you still thinking about that deal that you need to get done for tomorrow? Or are you, you know, like what's, what's the thing of actually being there? How in tune are you with the moment? That's very, that's, that's a very good, that's a very good point. And it, like we say, guys, like, you know, we're not on this podcast saying, oh yeah, we do all these things. Like, no, like we, it's a constant grind and work for us to do these things too, which is why we invited you all on this journey with us and to, to do this book is because we are trying to get better. Um, and that's, that's a good thing. That's it's very good for us to try to continue to grow as as you know young men, um, getting older. But um, I think I think the next section is is I think it will be up a lot of people's alleys. Um, I think especially ours because this is why we did this in the first place. Um, this is like-hearted kings, and I'm just gonna go right to a quote that I think just kind of sums up how I feel about this is find like-hearted kings living in the same direction, sign treaties when they are at war, you are at war. And I think that just like is so powerful because this, these are commitments, right? And we talked about like the importance of being able to, you know, hold up our end of a commitment, right? Especially as men. And, you know, when we've committed to each other as friends and like, Mace, you're going through this. Like if you're going through this, I'm going through it. And if you're going through something that I don't know about, I'm like offended that I don't know about it um, because we're all in this together. And I think that he kind of says like, in a way you keep your circle small with like, in terms of like this closeness and you continue to like propel each other uh, in every kind of way each and every day. And I think that that's something that I know, I think we can still do a better job of, you know, cause we obviously still stay in touch and, you know, even me being in Chicago and all that kind of stuff, we obviously stay in touch and y'all come to visit and this, that, and the other, but like really, really understanding like things that you're going through. Like, okay, I'm just like kind of at this anxious point in my life or 
hey, being a dad, man, like it's really tough right now or, you know, something's going on with the family or you name it, like oh, job sucks right now or whatever the case may be. And like us being able to feel those things just like we do with our spouses. You know what I mean? And I think that's where a lot of guys can struggle is that vulnerability with other guys that I think us also knowing, knowing each other for 90% of our lives and been, I mean, literally grew up and went through a lot of stuff together. I think that might make it a little bit easier for us to kind of have those tougher conversations, but it is still like, I mean, it's hard to be vulnerable about stuff, especially when, again, you kind of put on this act like everything's good all the time, you know, because you don't want people to see the bad, whether that's fear of rejection or fear of isolation or whatever. But having those lighthearted kings at your side for when you are at war is like, it makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. That's too, like, you got to understand, you know, Let's say I'm going through something and maybe it's a little embarrassing that I'm going through that thing. I have to understand that the people who are in my circle are in my circle for a reason. And I cannot be embarrassed to go to you all about that, because if we are truly doing what we're doing and, you know, like we talk about this all the time, like, you know, just we're trying to take these strides together. But even like think think about um, like being in each other's weddings. Right. Like before you get married, you're, you're with your guys or whatever. And it's like, I love you, man. If you need anything, let me know. Like, you have to truly mean that. And I think we've we've all probably like been in weddings where we're kind of like, why are we in this? wedding? You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing? But then you've been in weddings like each, each other's weddings where you're like, this is what it's about. Like, this is this is the point of this whole thing is this is my, you know, my brother, this is the guy that I'm ready to go to war with, whatever it may be. And so if you do have that problem or not even a problem, just something you're working through, you got to kind of put your guard down and just understand that if your circle is who they truly say they are, they're going to help you get through that problem. And if they don't, you need to reevaluate your circle. You need to change some of the people. Yeah. Well, I think, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I think it goes back to what he talked about early. Like the point of vulnerability is to, is for like vulnerability in a way is where God like exposes things in us or in our situations that need to be changed or altered or that, you know, he's doing work in. And I think that that goes for your inner circle. Like if I'm vulnerable with somebody and they're judgmental about it or this, that, and the other, like, I think it's kind of a way of filtering out like okay like maybe this wasn't who i thought they were or this isn't somebody that's needs to be within this close of a circle you know and i think it's just like vulnerability is like a tool to be able to assess um you know what you want to do moving forward and you know we've obviously built relationships over the last like 20 years or so you know of you know of being able to have this trust and that kind of stuff but if you think about it isn't that crazy like we've been working on our friendship relationships for 20 plus years and like we're still growing in that and I think that that's such a I think it just goes to the point of this whole thing it's like the ancient path this is like a slow a slow burner this isn't a a marathon or this isn't a sprint it's definitely a marathon yeah. 
And what we try to get better at is going to change as we get older, right? Like, so like right now, we're trying to be the best husbands we possibly can. I'm trying to be the best father I possibly can. You two are going to eventually trickle into that dad realm and then... You know, we're then we're be, coming to you for advice. Well, yeah, we'll see. But <laughs> you're trying to just like it's going to change. Like eventually, you're going to try to become the best grandpa, or you're going to be try to become whatever. Like you're you're going to continually grow, and it's a it's a growth sort of thing, which leads us, I guess, into our next thing, um, which is the last part of the triangle or pyramid. Excuse me, uh, is mentors. And I, I talked to, I wrote down mentors. And then the last thing I wrote is, uh, you know, who do you want to become? And that's sort of the ending of the book or not the book, but the chapter. And I think that when you understand who you want to become, which is a tough thing, right? You will better be able to choose and pick your mentors to help you guide you to that thing. Right. So, for example, like just like take like work, for example, if I'm trying to be the best teacher I possibly can be and there's a teacher that I see does great stuff is what I consider maybe a better teacher than I am or maybe is older, been doing it longer. I could go to them and be like, hey, like, what are some of the things, what would you do here? What are some of the things? And they become that mentor. Um, Same thing spiritually, same thing emotionally, marriages, you know, relationships, working out. It does not matter. Like, you can always have a mentor um, to that thing. But, you know, I, I wrote when he says, who do you want to become? It says, you not only have the ability, but his permission to become that. And it won't be easy to do it but it will be worth it. And so think about that as, you know, you kind of address, you know, what do you, what do you want to become? Because I think a lot of people limit themselves because they just, they psych themselves out or just get too negative too quickly on what they're trying to do. I'm curious. Well, I'm curious as to Dansby's answer on this, just having kind of what we talked about getting, we've talked about before how he kind of had to grow up a little bit faster us faster than us and kind of his career was set i mean we were still in trying to graduate college and figure out what we were trying to do yeah i know i remember very specifically where uh, yeah. he got traded to i mean his life was different before that but like, yeah even just like being a, a student athlete i feel like entails mentorship obviously with your coaches and stuff but just kind of how that plays out on a professional level. Thank you. Um, Did he hear? You know, it's funny. Like <laughs> I, I feel like I've had more life mentors than I've had baseball mentors. And the reason I say that, and like this actually makes me think because like in the game of baseball, I haven't really had many like mentors. Like I haven't had a player sit me down and say like, like, follow along. Like, I got you. I'm putting you under my wings. Do everything I do. Like, I, I never really had that. But I did have, obviously, coaches along the way. Um, obviously, uh, my first summer ball coach that, uh, his name's James Beavers uh, for the East Coast Yankees. I uh, still do a lot of stuff with him to this day. But just, like, taught me about the importance of showing up. Right. And like showing up each and every day that your days or your, your name is called. 
Um, then obviously Corbs at Vandy was one of the big ones of just like cultivating leadership and was able to take like this natural born leadership style that I had in me and like kind of cultivate it, you know, like kind of like chisel it and fine tune it and help me understand what it actually meant. And then getting in a pro ball, um, Freddie actually did, taught me a ton, um, just about how to play every day, uh, what it takes to show up and play every day, how that looks differently for different people. Um, he was, he was really, really big for me and I didn't necessarily understand it until we didn't play together, which is kind of funny. Um, I just kind of did what I did. And then now it's like, wow, like the appreciation I have for that man has like grown exponentially since we haven't been together for the last two years. Um, and so I, I'm very grateful for that. And then, um, I would say one of my, like my biggest mentors that have come a lot in like the spiritual realm, whether it's Terry, um, who's a chaplain, uh, a guy named Brian Homo, who's also a chaplain that does stuff for, um, baseball chapel, like for major league guys, uh, a guy named Brooks Webb, who, I mean, he's kind of like a mentor slash really close friend. <laughs> um, but he, uh, he's older than me and, and used to do some baseball off stuff at Vandy, um, and is now actually working for my agency, but, uh, he's just an unbelievable human with like a lot of spiritual insight and just somebody that I've really looked up to in that regard. Um, but the baseball one is always so interesting because I've like, I've really, really, and obviously I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my dad because he kind of taught me everything about baseball to begin with, uh, which is probably a whole nother podcast to be had. But when it comes to a lot of the baseball stuff, like I think I've gotten to this point in my career because I've really felt like sink or swim ish, you know, like I just had to figure things out. Right. Like, and I'm actually really appreciative for that because it made me really, really tough uh, and really, really strong, like mentally and physically. Uh, but it's just kind of like, hey, figure it out. Like you got to figure out what works for you. And then as I started to piece things together, I felt like that led me into like different doors of like, oh, okay, like this is a guy that I really trust when it comes to hitting and I can talk to hitting and he can come work with me and get me dialed in or somebody like Wash, obviously, right? Like who came alongside of me and like groomed me into a better defender, you know? Um, I feel like those doors got opened once I kind of accepted the challenge, if that makes sense. Um, sorry, this is my, this is my time to get long winded, but I mean, I would say those collection of guys have like mentored me in different ways and helped obviously like shape me to get to this point. Yeah, it's just it's just funny how I think uh, just people view professional athletes like just so much differently than it actually is. I don't know if it's the movie side of it where they have like the mentor, you know what I mean? Like if you think about. Well, yeah, I mean, any any movie, any movie has the main character and the guide or the mentor. It's yeah. like. Well, I'm thinking that kind of not skews it, but. It is sink or swim. You know what I mean? Like everyone is trying to. Well, I mean, it's the guide can only take you so far before you have to do what you. Now, here's the other thing that John mentioned, and I'm not saying this is the case for everybody, but this is a real thing. Why would someone mentor me if I'm potentially going to take their job at some point? 
Take their job at some point. So I was just getting ready to say, like, it's, it's like maybe. the <laughs> you know, like, I call it I call it like the the golfer effect, where you are so concerned about like what your swing looks like to everybody else, but everybody's just concerned about what their swing looks like, and like what their game is doing. And so while you're busy thinking about how they view you, they're too busy thinking about how am I going to hit it out of this mulch you know what i mean like it's just different and that's kind of the same thing in baseball where everyone it is sink or swim like everyone is trying to compete for that job and trying to be and yeah you got teammates or whatever but they're going through their own things too let's get to the falcons baby yeah okay 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 great great uh i think this is just a great chapter that really wraps up a lot of what the other part of the book is about so if you haven't been reading or following along, I think it's important to um, listen to some of the podcasts, take on this journey yourself. Cause I think this kind of starts to cultivate like the whole, the whole point of like why we're living this life. No, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. And this is a really good chapter. I mean, and then the next chapter is going to be awesome as well. What's the last one? It's a lot. Yeah. So you would say this is the penultimate. Is that how you use that word? Penultimate chapter? Like the one before the last one? Is that right? I mean, I would just say it's second to last. Sounds better. Penultimate. I think that's too fancy of a word for us. <laughs> SAT word of the day. All right. So what everyone's been waiting on, Falcons, we saw the preseason game. We're excited about it. Took a victory. Took a victory in uh, Miami. I'm trying not to put too much weight into preseason. I'm, I'm, no. I'm trying. I'm just excited football's back, first I off. do love football. We got Two weeks till the first dogs game. Back to back. It's uh, back. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm three, gonna say this about three now. This, this is why I get excited about preseason game. Because I feel like I've seen it in the past with them. Like we actually won a preseason game. You see what I'm Yeah, it's been a while, feels like. Because there is there's like some actual importance to that of like, okay, we're trying to build a winning culture. Well, guess what? Like winning matters at all times. Like whether it's the backups or not, and whether they're competing for a, a Spot on the team. We're not like, seeing the Ravens though. They still won. Ravens are like you know, thirty and zero preseason. Are they really? <laughs> yeah, they're on some crazy preseason win streak. That's crazy. But no, no. And this is what I said when we were texting about it. Um, I recorded it. I came home. They put. They played uh, last Friday, and I was watching it. And I was just trying to see. We look. We look like we're being. It's you know sometimes preseason like real sloppy. Yeah. There's a lot of turnovers, false starts. No, they look I mean, the boys a lot look of, like they're being coached. We had what four turnovers? They had one like illegal formation penalty, I believe, or like one illegal motion. Okay, and but yeah, we had we created turnovers, and that's what my thing was as from the last podcast is I want the I want defense to be rocking and rolling, and them boys were coming downhill. It looks like a, you know just from what I'm seeing the new D coordinator. I don't know much about him, but. He's run a lot of man match on the outside, and he's allowing Bring the, the safeties to come free. He's allowing uh, – they're running – obviously, he'll play it week to week differently, but there's nothing more Bring I love the when they put a wide out in motion and I see a safety come flying down. Mm-hmm. Just smoke it. Bring all, bring all the smoke. <laughs> smoke it. Smoke. And that's what they were doing. So but The D-line the physical, physical, too. Yeah, the yeah, D-line is – The O-line's oh, yeah. physical. That's, I mean, that's – in theory, though – the Arthur Smith method is we're going to be physical well, you in, have the, to. in the dirty. You have the, to. The big uglies, I Let believe. Let the big uglies get some balls on. on. 
get them paws on them. But there, that's what I'm saying. But the offense too, it looked it looked crisp. The, everything from like, the like, like Logan, you had a Logan Woodside, a third string quarterback, like actually run an offense. Like, like I said, like there was one procedural penalty. You know what I mean? Like that is, it's impressive, honestly. And that like things were clicking. Like you seen, he seemed to be in command of the huddle. Seemed to be in command. And like if your third string guy is doing that, I would imagine that the other everybody else is on that similar kind of like page and wavelength. Which is just, it's just so refreshing. We talked about this before. Like, there's just not that many good coaches, and I feel like they got a good staff of like good football coaches. And I don't know. I just appreciate that. Coach Smith says that we have fun out there. Football guys. Football guy. Big yeah. football guy. Yeah. And so, and, uh, nice what's his name? Bijan making Bijan making his debut this week. As I said, he's playing. Yep. So that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting to see. And I just liked how. Uh, even with the third string guy, even they were moving the pocket. He was getting outside the pocket. He, there, there was a lot of play action, backside rollout scrambles. Um, I just like stuff. I like misdirection. I like that sort of wrinkle. So the fact that again, like you said, the third string guy is running it. It's crisp. It's effective, and he's on time with his throws and decisions was a big thing for me. Um, so I, I'm excited for it. I, I don't. Who do we play this week? Sensei. Oh. Okay. Brother, appreciate it. Yeah. Andrew, what's the uh, new, where what, what are we at, 15 and 2 now, projections? What was my bowl? 11 and 6. You said 12 and 5. 12 and 5 was your initial. It was your initial. And then we, we had a, quite the reaction <laughs> of Mitchell and I, which, yeah. yeah. But. 11 and 7. 15 and 2. 15 and 2. Every every clip Dansby sends us is another W chalked on the board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bijan yeah, makes one dude miss in practice for like another, another 13 season. and 4. <laughs> Bijan goes up against a fourth string linebacker and we're Cooks like him. 13 we might and go 4. Yeah, we might win the Super Bowl. <laughs> we might win the Super Bowl. <laughs> but um no, Fox, so we'll keep you guys. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's electric. But we'll keep you guys updated on the Falcons. Definitely more when the season actually rolls around. Um, but yeah, we just thank you guys for tuning in. This is going to be a longer episode, but it's it's going to be worth it. It's a lot of good stuff. Um, and we promised we'd finish the book, and we only have one more chapter left, so we, we're, we're going to do that. Finish the book, and then there'll be some changes uh, coming to the pod that we're pretty excited to announce moving forward. We're not going to announce them yet. Keep you on the hot seat, but. Um, a lot of good stuff happening. So we appreciate you guys from you know the bottom of our hearts um, for watching it. And the the last uh, on YouTube, the last video we put out got like 800 views, Shout out. which is more than any of our podcasts has ever done on YouTube, uh, which is awesome. So keep keep watching it. Um, keep leaving us comments. <laughs> the guy requested that we have more athletes on the show. Well, so we're, we're in the middle of the book. <laughs> yeah, we're, so, in, we're in the book know, If you know right a lot now. about athletes, I don't read a lot. Uh, but um, We're changing that. We're changing that culture. Yeah, we're pretty... I'm excited to be head on about that. But um, no, we just appreciate you guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Um, and we'll, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Yeah. Yeah.